Hello, and welcome to another episode of Latina Life with Jenna Molina. Our super Latina today is a leader in Los Angeles and with one of the city's most beloved teams, the Los Angeles Dodgers. As Vice President of External Affairs and Community Relations at the Dodgers, her mission is to lead the team's civic, community, and philanthropic works and to be a pillar of support and help when the community is in need. She was shaped by a family that dedicated itself to giving back I love that we are showcasing her story during National Hispanic Heritage Month. Welcome to the show, Naomi Rodriguez. Oh, I am so happy to be here. (laughs) I know we have been trying to schedule this, um, but most importantly, I am inspired by the two of you, um, Latinas, trying to support other Latinas. I mean, that is where my heart is. I have two young women, uh, young girls myself. Uh, my daughters. And so thank you for doing this. Thank you for shedding light on our community, on Latinas, um, experiencing all different things in this world. So I I really appreciate you supporting me, but mostly supporting all all the women uh, that need it. So thank you. Oh my goodness. Thank you. And I, I just, that fills my heart. I know it's going to fill Melina. Melina's not with us for this episode. I know she regrets it, but she's off traveling. So, but she's going to be so excited. I've been talking to her about you nonstop, <laughs> which is, why, which is why I'm like, I'm sorry, you're not going to be here, but we're going to do it without you. And, <laughs> and I have to thank you so much because you hung in there with me. You know, I was sick. I did get COVID and it's taken like, I don't know, three, four weeks to like fully get over it. So um, thank you so much. I really appreciate you just holding us in, you know, such high regard. I'm, I'm glad you're better. That's most important. <laughs> you know, I had a COVID a few times, so I, I understand. So, so of course I'm looking forward to it too. Okay. Well, let's get right to it. Okay. I feel such an affinity with you because we're both from Southern California. We're both from Los Angeles. I understand you grew up in East LA. Is that correct? Well, um, both of my parents grew up in uh, East Los Angeles um, okay. and my grandmother's home is still there. And, uh, it's the home that we go back to for everything, right? So um, I now live in Santa Clarita, um, but and I grew up in the San Gabriel Valley, but our family is from East Los Angeles. Um, and uh, it's the home that has all the degrees on the walls of my brother and my cousins. And um, and it's the home that I think we go back to for everything. It's It's a little home and in East Los Angeles, um, that is our family home. Uh, my, my parents were born and raised in East Los Angeles and they, they met in East Los Angeles. So, um, I really have a fond, uh, memory of the times, you know, um, spending the holidays there and, um, times have changed a lot, but, um, so I call it my home, although I didn't go to school there. I, I en- ended up going to Azusa High School and, uh, and grew up in the, in the San Gabriel Valley. Which is still California, which is still LA, really. Yes, honestly, it's right? still LA. It's, it's very LA. I'm very LA. I, I lived in Los Angeles for many years, um, everywhere from the east side. I lived in El Sereno for some years. I lived in the valley in Northridge. Um, and other parts of the valley, and and now I have my family um, in uh, Santa Clarita. Oh my gosh! And I really want to get into um, your family because they really dedicated their lives to giving back. Correct. So, how did how did that you know get instilled in you? I mean, what do you remember growing up? Yeah. So I I have to say, 
when I think of community service, I, I, for me, it's just how we grew up. It was, it's a way of life. Uh, my parents, both of my parents for, at a very young age instilled that in, in me and my siblings, uh, e- even to the point of helping the person, helping your neighbor, but even helping the person in the store that, that you could tell needed support. I mean, I, I can't, I, I have so many stories of my parents helping others and both of my parents were Christians and I, I feel like their faith and our faith is a big part of why we um, give back and do what we do. And, um, and then also my, my father had a very hard upbringing and um, maybe started out um, his path rough. He was uh, involved in gangs and, um, and, but more had a, a drug problem and, and thankfully, uh, he um, he got sober. He had many years of being in, on drugs and in and mm-hmm. out of jail. But thankfully, mm-hmm. he got sober. And basically, he and my mom dedicated their lives to helping others. I mean, as part of his sobriety and his second chance, they uh, they began to foster young youth, mainly Latino men. I have. Um, mm-hmm foster young youth, men and women, but mainly men. Uh, they moved to Victorville. And during, during that time, Victorville was a, wasn't what it is now. It was just, my mom says it was our ranch. It was Dale Evans and Roy Rogers. I don't know if you know who they are, but they were <laughs> yes. old act, uh, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the movies. And, um, and so they started their fostering there in, in the high desert that's where I was born, uh, was in the, was in, um, Apple Valley and they began their, um, their, their mission in life to, to help, uh, foster youth. My parents must have fostered over a hundred youth throughout their time. Wow. Uh, Yeah. They were very dedicated to, to fostering and helping and, um, giving those sort of a second opportunity and chance, or maybe even a first to, to, get healthy and and basically mm-hmm. have a good productive life. So my parents did that for many years. And then unfortunately my dad was, uh, and thank God I should say very clearly, he was sober and he stayed mm-hmm. sober. So he, he never went back. Mm-hmm. So thank God for that. It's really important that I say that. And it's also important. I, my mother always tells me to remind, she likes to remind me that I was born and my brother were both born in love and in a sober when he was, at a good, very healthy uh, time of his life. So, and I say that because it's part of my, who I Mm -hmm. am, you know, my, Mm -hmm. my genetics, like, you Mm -hmm. know, my, I, I I think about that all the time. Uh, So my, going back to my, my parents were, were fostering in the high desert. And um, unfortunately my parents were leaving church on Sunday morning and my, my father was crossing the street and two drunk drivers came and, and ran mm. him over. Um, I'm so sorry. And, um, and so, so my, my mother moved back to Los Angeles and to be closer to family and to raise her three children. And, um, but even though my mom went through her own, her own pain and recovery of losing her husband, I, the community part and the element of helping others just never stopped. It's still, she's going to be 80 and she's still, she still has that in her spirit. And, uh, and so I don't think it's a mistake 
that I ended up in community service. I, I'm, I don't know that being working for the Dodgers was ever a dream of mine because it, mm-hmm. it wasn't something that very frankly, growing up, I, I, I like many Angelinos, I visited Dodger stadium and I, and I loved Fernando still do mm-hmm. Fernando Valenzuela yeah. and enjoyed, <laughs> enjoyed the stadium. And I was there with my family and it's kind of just what you do. Um, but to say that I, I ever thought, Oh, I could maybe have a career here or work here. I never saw other, anyone that looked like me. I never even saw women, frankly, uh, but forget a woman of color or a Latina, mm-hmm. you know, I, it just didn't exist for me. It wasn't something I could even dream about. Right. Uh, and so yeah. it, it, when the opportunity presented itself, I like to say it's when preparation met opportunity and all the right things were lined up. It was, it, it was supposed to be, it was meant to be. So, um, but I carry with that, you know, my parents' struggles, their, uh, mm-hmm. not only mm-hmm. their struggles, but also all the amazing things and accomplishments that they, you know, that they dedicated their life to. And uh, I think that very much makes me who I am. It's so interesting. You touch on so many different topics that are so important to us Latinas, you know, growing up, obviously the story we carry, we carry our parents' stories, right? And, you know, we shouldn't shy away from the hardships. I do feel sometimes, I mean, I'm first gen, I'm first generation. Mm -hmm. So, and my parents, um, they're still with me, you know, they're still alive. They're still together. My dad, um, congratulations for that. Thank you. Thank you. I know. Yes. So my dad was, was a tailor. He still is, he's still working. Mm -hmm. He's in his seventies. And, um, my mom, you know, also helped him out, you know, the tailor shop too. So, um, but you, you think about their struggles and how like they mold you. Right. And so I think one thing growing up in a Latin community, yes, we have seen like, you know, drug use. And I think that, or addiction, cause it's not just drug use. Right. Yeah. And it definitely, you see not only how it impacts the person, but how it impacts the person's families and then for generations to come. So sometimes it is difficult to either, I don't know if you ever break the cycle or you kind of repave the road, right? I don't know if you ever end the road, you just have to like repave it. And sometimes some people try to shy away from it and not embrace it in their stories. And that's what I feel so admirable about you because you've been so open about it that it takes away the stigma that some Latinas face, you know? So true. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm glad you, you're bringing this up because I have to tell you, I didn't always, uh, that, that didn't just happen overnight because mm-hmm, I, uh, mm-hmm. to be honest, I was worried that I would be judged and mm-hmm. yep. you know, mm-hmm. although the, the drugs were never a problem for me, I've never done those type of drugs and that was not my story. Um, but it, it certainly was, um, my, my father's story. And I was nervous that people would say, well, what does that make me, you know? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Or why is she in the room or do yeah. you belong in the room? Do you belong yeah. in the room? And, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah. What does that, what does that make me? How, how do you look at me now? How was I raised? Like, what do you like all of these things? And then I realized yeah. at a certain point, I'm going to be 50 in a few years. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I realized that is where that's my story. And that's where my power comes, my internal power, because 
when I think about my struggles, I didn't, I don't, and have never had nearly the struggles that my father and my parents had, Mm -hmm. Uh, not even close. And I don't know how many people, you know, you could just look up the science of this Mm -hmm. heroin. Not many people can overcome a heroin problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Something happens to the brain and it's, it's a, it's a whole thing that, uh, that happens. Right. But imagine my father was strong enough with, with his faith, with my mother to overcome his addiction. To me, that's very powerful. Like you flip it completely and you say, that's something very powerful. So, and his strength and his, and his actually also in his, the love in his heart to immediately want to help other people with, with some similar problems. Some are different, but I think he also felt like he know he knew what it felt like to sort of be discarded, right? Like mm-hmm. um, yep. and discarded and disregarded, right? Yes, um, yes. By his own family and by my grandmother, and uh, and that love, instead of being angry, he just filled his his spirit with love. And both of my parents, and they made a conscious decision to say we need we need to help others, like you know, like my father and in our neighborhoods. And these were, these are people in our neighborhoods. These are people from East Los Angeles. These were people mm-hmm. from South LA. These were kids and youth that were living on the streets, that their parents were addicted to drugs, that mm-hmm. they were to school. My parents literally took them off the streets and, and gave them, you know, a place to live and, you know, structure and love and all of these things. So when I think about, <clears throat> if anybody wants to judge me, for my father's story, then, you know, those are their thoughts, but I am my own person with the strength Mm -hmm. and the generational power of my parents. It is also my story. I am the daughter of Eugene Rodriguez. I am his living daughter, his living history. And I'm proud of that. And I carry that uh, with me. And it's also where my compassion comes from. Absolutely. 100%. And I think that's so important for everyone who listens to your story and listens to us about this to understand because there's so many people like us, so many women like us, Latinas that are in the same boat, you know, have gone or going through a similar journey and are feeling, you know, that self-consciousness, you know, um, it's already hard if let's say you do have a blessed life and and you don't have that, Mm -hmm. you're still, you have challenges as a Latina, you Mm -hmm. know, as well. So, um, you know, I was just talking to my mom today about like how, when you feel blessed, you are a blessing to others as well. Mm. And you actually like you symbolize that. And so mm. this growing up your childhood, I mean, you brought, brought up that saying about preparation and, um, opportunity, mm-hmm. right. Gets you ready. I remember hearing preparation opportunity equals luck because there's no luck, right. Cause yeah. you're preparing <laughs> right, right. for that's everything. Right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and without even knowing in your childhood, you were preparing for that. So as you went into, um, you know, college, how mm-hmm. did, is that community service? Is that something that you were thinking about? Yeah. Or is that, how, you okay. know, I'm, I always felt something special in my heart. Like I just felt, I just felt like I, I never stopped giving, giving back. Even I studied communications and political science and, um, I always loved, I always felt good when I was with other people and mm. just doing things for other people. It's almost like a selfish thing. I, I felt kind of like I'm saying it in a selfish way because it made me feel a certain way, you know, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. helping others. And um, 
thinking about my career, I thought about law like, for a little bit. And then I, I took some classes. And I'm like, okay, no law. This is not my thing. <laughs> no. uh, I um, hear you. So, but I, I, I knew that community advocacy and, and sort of kind of being on the ground was something that fueled me. Um, and I knew that I, I just knew that I had to do something that gave back to my community. So I, I, you know, I worked for non, I worked for a nonprofit. I, um, I worked in the private sector. I worked my first job out of college after I graduated was mm-hmm. working in city hall. Um, I worked for, you know, a few elected officials mm-hmm. and, um, it all felt very fulfilling when I was doing things in my community in Los Angeles, as yeah. I was watching Los Angeles change. Uh, and as it continues to change. And I, and I just feel like when I look and I look around in our city and I'm like, this is where my parents grew up. This is where my family, my grandparents, my, Mm -hmm. like, I just feel this sort of nostalgia of, I couldn't be anywhere else. Like, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. That's just how I feel. And, um, and growing up, I'll give you an example. So, um, my mother used to take us to well two things I should say this first my Mm -hmm. father he would always he would tell my older brother they would often give to go to the border of Mexico and at Mm -hmm. the time obviously during that time different than it is now Mm yeah yeah and they would go to the border and they would uh, take blankets and they would basically empty out their closets and their everything and my dad would say take everything like you think, you know, there's always somebody that needs, needs this. So they would drive with my foster brothers and they would drive to the border and give everything. And, um, and so my, my mother would, would, we would do the same. And I I remember we we used to go to Skid Row and to be honest, it, it did scare me when I was smaller and my, my, to help. And my mom would say, you know, your father, always says would say you know if you think that you're any different than that person you're Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. you are not any different Mm -hmm. by God's grace we are not there Mm -hmm. and that could be you tomorrow like that that is a human being there right and um, and I just think about these things I don't remember my father but through my mother through my foster brothers I love being around my foster brothers and my foster sisters because they'll talk about my dad and these 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 words of wisdom but it all came from you know some mistakes some pain um Mm -hmm. and and also you know making good decisions too later in his life so uh so that that and we used to call my mom the my brother and I used to call my mom the the advocate because yeah. everywhere, everywhere she went, she would like help someone everywhere. We we're <laughs> eating dinner. And sometimes we'd be like, mom, can we just eat dinner? Like, no, <laughs> that woman should not be treated that way, whatever it was. So right, right. I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, just say that, I just say that to say that uh, sharing those stories, I feel like coming into the Dodgers, coming into the space that I'm in, it just, it's very natural for me. It's not even like a it's just a very natural thing that happens. And I'm blessed with an education. I'm blessed with some creativity. And then with a team like the Dodgers that it's part of their history with Jackie Robinson and all these things where Mm -hmm. these two things came together 
um, per perfectly. Uh, and I do have a really creative side too that I would love to, I, in my dreams, to start some sort of uh, clothesline or um, I've been thinking about a lot of things with <clears throat> messaging though. Um, yeah. And um, so that's been, that's been something as I'm getting older, like if I, I need to like, I, I want to do a brand of t-shirts that have like cute t-shirts with my daughters that have messaging and yeah. um, that, that send um, a message to teens and wh whether it's with wording or whatever, like sayings. And I have a book full of sayings that I want to put on t-shirts. It's really, it's, uh, it's something that I've been thinking about, but um also, so I, I feel like all of this coming together now that I'm, I'm going to be 50 and um, having the platform of working with the players, with the, the Dodger players, many of them are very philanthropic. <laughs> it's such an easy mm -hmm. thing to, to, to help brainstorm with them and help them sort of build who they're off, uh, uh, who they are off the field. It's amazing. It's amazing. And by the way, when you're ready to launch that t-shirt, we're going to have you, that line, we're going to okay. have it back on. Okay. It's going to be amazing. And I can't wait to see all of the sayings that you have for sure. Yes. Thank you. So, so both in English and Spanish, I have them in English and Spanish. Perfecto. Perfecto. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, y dale con las ganas. I mean, I'm excited right. about this. Yeah. Um, but wanted to go back to something you mentioned earlier in the interview where, um, you didn't think about being part of the Dodgers. In fact, you know, when we were growing up, when we saw the Dodgers, the Fernando Valenzuela or Hirschheiser years, mm -hmm. you know, you didn't see women, right, in the executive offices. So I'm just curious, as a Latina, if there was ever a moment where you had a challenging moment, actually, because you were Latina, and well, how you overcame that or or got through it, you know? The challenging moments, yes, I think we all do. But yes, they they do mm -hmm. exist, and they have existed. And I think it it really depends on on the situation, but most importantly, I don't think of myself when I enter a room um, or in the process of working with some of my colleagues. There are times when I'm the only woman in the room or the only Latina. Although the Dodgers have been very progressive since I'm going into my ninth season, and now we have two other Latina executives, a black woman. I mean, they've done some really great strides. Amazing, very, amazing. very proud of. Uh, but I, I've never thought about it like that. I've thought about it more of uh, like, okay, I'm the only woman in the room. I'm the only Latina in the room. I've thought I have something to say and I bring value to this conversation and I'm here mm -hmm. for a reason. Mm -hmm. And that's what I focus on. Like, be, like being your best on your game. And I think, and bringing what you have to the table. I am not um, a baseball analytics genius, right? That's not why they hired me at all. <laughs> and, <laughs> but, but I do bring something else to the table, you know? And th that's why I'm there. I mean, I'm, I'm that fan that was walking up those stairs. I'm that, you know, I know, you don't have to tell me what it's like to be Mexican in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. I don't have to read a book. I don't, mm -hmm. I can tell you what it's like. And I know, you know, and as LA is evolving, staying in touch with the community, like that is what I, one of the things that I, that I bring to the table. And so I try to focus on, on those moments, those challenging moments, like, okay, asking myself, like anybody else, you get frustrated, you want to yeah. you know, react or whatever, like asking myself, okay, what's my intention here? Like, am I, my, is my intention to show everybody how upset I am? Are you 
you were rude to me or that was insulting or whatever it was, mm. it is, okay. can be. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's so my intention um, is to make sure that our voices are heard, that my voice is heard, that what our community has to say is, is on the table. Sometimes, sometimes that can be scary too, right? Because it might be yeah. a different thought. Uh, yes, but, absolutely. Right. Right. But it's also, then I remind myself, why am I here? Okay. Yeah. That's why I'm here. And, and so, um, and then I also, and I said this earlier, think about my father and his challenges. Like how many yeah. times did, even after he got sober, did they think, oh, there's that drug addict, right? There, mm. There's whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, when they moved to the high desert to, um, to the Victorville area, there were no Mexicans. There were no Latinos. Mm. There were no minorities in, in, what a different time. It was a different time. So could you imagine he, they get to this ranch, it's a bunch of this, a Mexican family, and then like 50 Mexican kids. And everyone's like, what the heck? What, what is this? <laughs> so can you just imagine like, yeah. that, that, how that felt? And, um, and so having the strength to just keep moving. And then also I have a supporters like that are here. I have mentors. I always have mentors. That's a big, that's a big support. I throw things off of people. I, you know, what do you think about this? And some are in the field, but some of them aren't, most of them aren't. And how should I respond in this way? And I love having mentors. I'll have mentors till I die because I love, there's always somebody with more experience that maybe has been in that situation and like what to do. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a mentee. Um, Cause I, I, I mentor people and I'm also a mentor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. The, the yeah, yeah, yeah. I flipped that, <laughs> but, but yeah, so I just, I do both. And yeah. that really helps me too. I mean, that is so important. And it's something that, I mean, I know this sounds, um, you know, a little out of touch, but I feel like it's something that I'm really fully understanding now. And like my community of friends, colleagues within the industry as well, where, you know, some people have mentors. Some people don't have mentors. Some people have the supporters, the people that will say your name when you're not in the room. Right. Mm -hmm. And how important it is. But I don't think like Lena's in our community, like really understand like how to foster that relationship. Like what advice would you give to people in regards to fostering a relationship with a mentor or a supporter? Like you say, yeah, I mean, it's connecting. Sometimes you just connect with people too. It's the, having the mm-hmm. conversation and and when when that you feel that connection, I'll be honest, there's been times where it's been a very specific deliberate thing. Like, will you mentor me? And then other times where it's been just a natural thing where I, I maybe I don't verbalize, will you mentor me? But I call that person like for advice and you know, so it, it depends on the person and the situation. I also have male mentors too. Um, and, um, and I like that because it's just a different perspective, which is, it just, it's just helpful. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I also think that, um, I think people want to help people one that want to be helped and that have a vision for where they want to go. Right. So, yes. And I tell my mentees this, I say, you know, you can't just go to a person and just be like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know where I want to go. I don't know. I don't know. It's like hard to help a person like that, but when you're very uh, specific about what you, at least, at least what you're thinking, you might not have it all together, but 
at least what you're thinking and then your mentor can help you kind of navigate that. I think that's helpful in, in having a, a, mm-hmm. um, a mentor because then you're, you're helping yourself, you're helping the mentor help you. And sometimes there's very specific requests of a mentor, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I would love if we could just connect once a quarter or whatever. I I'm a writer and I'd love for you to read this or there, you know, if there's specific things, that's also good too. Uh, mo- most of my, the people that mentor me, I go to them for advice on decisions okay, uh, and strategizing strategy, like this next move or how should I position this? Uh, and that at my level, I think it's really important to strat- putting the strategy together and then sometimes if I'm questioning myself, sometimes it's confidence, right? And sometimes I just need to hear like, you got it. You know what you're doing. Like, just yeah. go for it. And I, yeah, there are time, lots of times when I need to hear that. Like, that's the right, that's the right des- decision. Uh, yeah. I have people in my life that are, that are with me and for me. Because mm. you can have people that are with you, but that they're mm-hmm. not for you. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's important that they're with me and for you, uh, for me. And, and that I, I look at that and say, like, you, you just know, like, for example, one of my mentors is my, is my pastor. Mm-hmm. And like, when I'm hurting, I, I could, I feel that he's hurting for me, you know, like, it's this very, it's this kind of relationship where I just, I care about him and his wife so much. And um, he's also obviously a spiritual man, but he, he's for me. Like he is like undoubtedly for me. He's with me because he's my pastor, but I, and I'm hit, you know, one of his followers, but he's for me. He wants the best for me. He wants me to succeed. It's really important that you surround yourself with people like that. Yeah. That's so important to also realize that you can have mentors in different areas, right? Oh, oh, absolutely. Yes. (laughs) I think some people might forget that, right? And they're just thinking business, and but they're not no, thinking about no. the spiritual yeah, that's side. A, that's a very good point. It's a it's a it's a very important point. Yes, for sure. Now I know you have, um, like you said, men, you know, been a mentor to others. You've been inspirational to others. You've um, you and um, the Dodger team have been such a pillar of strength for LA and its mm-hmm. communities, especially you know during um, the pandemic. And I remember everyone going, my parents included, um, you know, to Dodger Stadium to get their COVID vaccines and everything. And you guys were just, I don't know, you just, you rolled on up and it was like clockwork. I mean, I felt we're going through this whole thing and all of a sudden just to have someone who had something structured or a place that's yes, structured, people true. working out for you. Yes. So you've had some life-changing moments yourself um, while they're leading the Dodgers. What what stands out in, in your mind in regards to maybe one or two big moments that have impacted you personally? Oh, there's been so many and it's just been first the liberty to use the, the platform, the Dodger platform and the actual stadium to help so many. So the, you know, at there's been life changing memories at Dodger stadium, right? So there's mm-hmm. been, and one of them may be winning the world series, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the, you know, life-changing memories, but, but families make baseball memories, but they make all these other memories, watching your mother or your father, or your son or daughter get a life-saving, life-saving vaccine, mm-hmm. watching your, your daughter, your son vote for the very first time, 
you know, the, the, I like to say that the Dodgers are part of the cultural fabric in Los Angeles. And it just, it just doesn't mean on the field, it's off the field. It's these memories of what happens at that stadium. It's so magical. And even things that happened before I got there, the Pope visiting, I mean, the, the way that, that what the stadium and the team means to our, our fans and our communities, myself included. Uh, and, and during the t- pandemic, we had never, obviously, none of us had ever experienced anything like, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, what we experienced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I oversee government affairs for the Dodgers also. And so I was talking with the mayor's office and our elected officials and like, okay, what can we do? What can we do to help? And obviously the obvious thing, we looked at the space and we said, well, there's this huge space, like that. We there's nobody's going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And immediately uh, the mayor's office, we talked and they, we had originally had the, we were getting COVID testing in one of our smaller parking lots. And it was just so overwhelming that we moved it um, to our bigger parking lot inside the stadium. And then that went from the bigger parking lots to the, once we had the vaccine and it, it was, it's interesting. And people were driving from all over because they wanted to say, I got my vaccine at Dodgers. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and even voting, people voted from all over to um, when we had the election, just to, to, get, to get the I voted at Dodger Stadium sticker. Uh, and so those are things that very special, very unique that I'll, I'll never forget. But I think for me, the moments where we can, where you really see uh, how the brand touches our community and touches our youth. And I've had my moments of crying and just mm-hmm. feeling overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I often say to the, to the players and the, those that I work for, it's like these moments, these are mm-hmm. life-changing moments that sometimes take 10 seconds, signing a ball, looking at a, at a youth and saying, you're worthy, you're enough, you can do it. It could be some of our players have foundations. It could be giving scholarships. Uh, it could be some of the events and the things we do at the stadium or in the community. Mm-hmm. Or it could be a moment where we visit someone sick in the hospital. I remember, I just, this one always sticks in my mind because he was very emotional. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there was a family that, and I want to say that there were, five in the family, the parents and three kids. Mm. Um, and they got in a car accident, the, the car caught on fire. And Mm. basically this, the, the, everyone died except the mother and the son. So Mm. the father died and the other siblings died. Mm. So the young boy that was still alive, he, um, he didn't know yet that his siblings were, were not alive. And, mm. um, and it, cause he was just recovering in the hospital and his uncle reached out to us cause he was a big Matt Kemp fan. And I remember asking Matt if he would, if he would go and visit them in the hospital. And um, it was just so emotional. So we were, we went to visit that the, the family that it was basically the mother and the son. And he was all bandaged up from the burns and um, it was really hard to, it was really hard to see the young boy. He was young, um, but 
I remember when he when Matt walked in the room and how he just lit up and it was just mm. unbelievable like that moment of 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 how uh Matt being there and spent time with him and they read read to him and they talked about baseball and they and the mother and it just the I I just always think of that family because I think you know he lost his father and his siblings and how traumatic like nothing can replace that but the fact that we could spend the time with him and just remind him that he's loved and he's not alone and those moments like that are moments that I always think about I think about and I remember that one in particular because Matt lost his his son I mean sorry not his son his his brother when his brother mm-hmm. was a baby mm-hmm. and so we were both obviously thinking about our own situations, right? Like, mm-hmm. like what has happened in our own life, mm-hmm. but turning that a- outward to help somebody else. Right. And, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and I, and I remember that day because I know it was hard for him uh, to, to be there because his, his brother was a, was a baby and, but he did it anyway. Right. Cause he, he was, he was, he was helping um, mm-hmm. this young man. So um, <laughs> those kind of moments, I, I just, they touch me. This is what I'll say. I know mm-hmm. people think we're doing things to help others, but it, it, I think it affects me more and affect the players get something out of it. Like they probably get more out of it than they're giving. And that's mm-hmm. the magic of it. Like that is the magic. It's almost a little bit selfish because the magic of, of that, you know, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and the blessing of having the ability to help. It's like you're this, you're this ray of sunshine, honestly, that has touched other people and their rays of sunshine too. It's just this, this domino effect that everyone can have, right? Mm-hmm. If everyone actually did one thing a day, mm-hmm. right? It's so important. One thing a day. And, you know, you lead with your heart and it definitely shows with the Dodgers and the team. And, and you've, I mean, everything I've seen, how the Dodgers, like I've said, I grew up here. Dodger fan went to this Doug games when I was a kid with my, um, with my family. And now I'm taking my kids too. And, um, I have seen how it has evolved and I see your, you know, I see your fingerprints on it. And it's so proud to, as a Latina to say, yes, this Latina is having such a hand, you know, with it. And, um, I'm just so proud of you and I admire you and, you know, keep on doing what you're doing. Um, so before I let you go, I I do want to know, I know you have, you know, meetings and ideas uh, about what's going to be coming up with the Dodgers. I mean, what can we expect to see like coming up with, is there anything new or big initiatives that you guys are working on that maybe the community would be excited about hearing? Well, I think it's, it's, I'm always, I want to say, I'm always looking for, um, we have something called the community hero award that we give out uh, throughout the year. So, and, and basically a community hero is just, it could be your mailman. It could be your teacher. It could be a CEO of a corporation. It could be, it could be anyone, you know, it could be somebody that's done a lot in their community through a nonprofit. Um, but we're always accepting nominations for the community hero award. So if you want to go to the Dodger website in the community relations department and nominate somebody that's doing something great in your community, we'd love to receive those nominations. So um, that it's, and that is really, I'm always, and the team is always looking for a way to uplift, uplift people that are doing great things in our community. So that I would say, whoever's listening and you think of, oh, I know someone, please reach out 
it's really important that we continue to honor and highlight people that are doing good things. And it inspires other people to do good things too. So, and there's, it can be a, a young person, an old person, anything. There's no, there's no limits around uh, the Community Hero Award other than it's somebody in your community doing, doing positive things. Uh, and so I would just want to just highlight that uh, as we get into the postseason, and the team is doing so great now, which is mm-hmm. very exciting. As yeah. we and we might we might um, clinch the division tonight if we win, and um, in Arizona we might clinch the division. So that's very exciting. As we get into postseason, we always have a a, a philanthropic or community element to postseason. So we work with MLB to do that. So mm-hmm. you can be on the lookout for that um, as we continue to progress in the in the postseason and we have our year-round programs also another program we have which is great is our kids for dodger baseball program and Mm -hmm. for this program for the underserved in underserved communities we uh we invite youth to come to a, a ball game we pay for everything we pick them up so let's say we pick up, um, we send a bus Amazing. to the community center in South LA or in Pacoima or wherever it may be. It ha- the, in underserved communities, we will send a bus wow. wrapped in Dodger gear, the whole thing, give you a hat, a shirt, and we pay for you to come to the stadium, enjoy the game, have a Dodger dog, a Coke, whatever oh. it is, and then enjoy yourself. And then we, we give you transportation. So the kids for Dodger baseball, we are, we're always accepting um, applications for that program. And that program is specifically for youth in underserved communities. So you as a teacher can apply, you can apply for your school, you can apply through your church, you can apply through your, your after school program. And it's just a great way to bring youth to the stadium and, um, and we work with boys and girls clubs and we work with it. We work with a bunch of different mm-hmm, nonprofits. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you may know one. And again, so you could go to the Dodger website at the community program and, and apply um, under the community um, community relations section. You can apply for the kids for Dodger baseball program, which is amazing. A great program. Yes. Oh my God. So important. So wonderful. And amazing. Okay. One more thing before we leave. I know I keep saying one more thing, <laughs> any words of advice for any, buddy who maybe wants to follow in your footsteps, um, doing what you do. Yeah. I mean, that's always hard for me because there's so much, I think, uh, mm-hmm. in that question, but I, I would say, follow, follow your heart. But in that, I never thought my personal story would sort of, um, be the anchor of my career. And so what makes my work so important is it's anchored in who I am and my own personal story. So mm-hmm. maybe think about like, okay, who you are, where, where you were raised, how that makes you who you are, because mm-hmm. that is what drives you in eventually in your career and how that can be part of what you do every day. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it can be, cause I didn't think like, I thought, okay, well, if I study political science or if I could, you know, whatever, you know, I didn't think that the two would sort of marry. And, and I think what makes my work powerful and maybe our work powerful, the Dodgers is that they, they're, they're connected and they're just connected. And so I think that if you're thinking about your 
future and something in your life is just so much part of your life. Like you're growing up, your experience, Mm -hmm. it's just in your Mm -hmm. heart every day. It's like in your heart, it's part of who you are. How can you make that story part of your, your life story, not just your personal story. And I feel that that's where success comes from. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Naomi. I mean, I so appreciate it. We all appreciate everyone listening. Um, thank you for sharing such as your story, such wonderful advice, such inspiration. So, and I know we're going to have to have you back again. Like I said, <laughs> I want to come back because there's yes. other fun things. There's fun things we can talk about too. Like I, um, and I'll come back when I do my line of my shirt, but I also, for sure. uh, but I also would love to help. I love like I would love to recommend some Latinas for you to interview too, because I, I just love promoting promoting other Latinas. I love it. I love it. Love it. Okay. For sure. We're going to have our call. You will have a talk about that. And um, then everyone else comes into their stories, right? All the Latinas out there, listen to your stories. Remember to tune in and listen to Latina life with Jenna Malena on iHeart and Apple all the time. You'll hear Naomi's wonderful stories, plus a bunch of others coming up. Um, A mis Latinas, muchos besos. When you wake up in the morning, you know, con ganas y vale. Okay. Thank you. Vale. Bye. Bye. Bye.